to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? You're drowning and I throw you a life jacket. Would you grab it? Yes. Good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. One more picks. <clears throat> Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Eliani on the board. S&P Futures down 15. NASDAQ Futures down 27. We have Mr. Kevin. Let's see, in the Dow, we don't have anything moving too much. We've got uh, Boeing down a buck. we got uh, Intel down a buck 12, so nothing nothing major. More red than green, but nothing crazy. Do we have Mr. Kevin? You do. Hey, are they going to change the name of the Dow to the Down? Um, I don't know. Well, it, they, they maybe you should get rid of the industrials. One extra letter, you can save some words. Well, yeah, it's uh, maybe you could get rid of the uh, the industrial part, since there's no industrials in there anymore. Maybe a couple. Well, who's who's industrial in here? I guess well, Boeing is Caterpillar, uh, 3M, I guess, IBM. But then you got you know Johnson and Johnson. You got J.P. Morgan. You got McDonald's. You know, we don't really have to be industrial because we. We booted GE out because they weren't industrial enough, right? And we booted out uh, Honeywell, which actually's done real well since they got booted. So it's a uh, we try and get the stocks in there to get the the index to move, you know, the right way. So you don't need boot. I, I imagine uh, they'll get Amazon in at some point here now that it's dropped. Uh, it's had a twenty to one split, so I mean it probably should. It's big enough. So there. So there. Yeah, what, uh. Well, what else is on your mind? What's going on, Tom? Well, I, uh. I don't know, I just, I, I continue to look at the, this week has been kind of an odd trading week, just kind of chopping around, really waiting for this number on Friday, and, which is a CPI number, and of course everybody's got an opinion, and, and every, all day long people are talking about how the thing is, uh. In fact, my buddy Dr. J was on CNBC yesterday for an extended period, and all we were talking about, you know, inflation has peaked, the market can go back to its old highs, and, I, I just, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm bullish for my clients. We're long pretty much everywhere. Uh, not, not real long. We're protected, but um, we put on some stuff yesterday to make sure we were just a little long. I'm going to say a little, you know, long rather than short. But I don't, uh, I, I don't think everybody's clear on the concept here at all, Janet or John, uh, Kevin. I mean, I don't, I don't see. I mean, I'm listening, looking at this article today. that three Democrats. Of the uh, the president of the New Democratic Coalition, who the hell that is, uh, Susan Dibeni, Democrat Washington, are talking about stuff they should be doing to lower prices on this and that, and and uh, uh, and how that's going to fight inflation. Do all these people do they need to come into an economics class for like twenty minutes with somebody? I don't. I don't and they're saying they're talking to all these big time economists, Summers, and all these people. Those are the guys that got us here. This idea that uh, you can borrow, well, and even Summers, you know, said way back when they passed the uh, that, that last American Rescue Bill. He, even Summers was saying we shouldn't do this; it's it's going to cause inflation. But he was also one of these guys. I mean, I, I believe. I mean, I don't read everything the guy writes, but I think he's one of these guys that thinks that as long as you're you're growing a hair faster than your debt is growing, that you know, if, you, if, you, if we all live four hundred years, we'll all be okay. And uh, that's just. You know, that that's just any little thing that goes wrong 
with that with that philosophy, because you end up doing nothing but borrowing even in good times. Because you, you so you're you're saying you walk walk along the ledge and don't be surprised if uh, if you if one misstep is uh, causes yeah. you to go tumbling over. Well, that's right, and 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 you. Uh, you know, and people's always view of the future is always better than it is usually, right? Especially if you're a politician. But I, but the thing I, I'm getting at, and I know, I, well, <laughs> because we have our president talking about and his administration talking about, um, you know, that, that this is one of the most robust economies ever, and it's in great shape. Yeah, and, and it, uh, uh, I, I think it's not just the view of the future that's a little skewed. Well, you know, they're gonna. I mean, I, I, I contrast that with uh, your buddy, uh, Larry Kudlow, the last six months of the Bush administration when the mortgage things were absolutely falling apart. What did he call it? The, the Goldilocks economy? The uh, the greatest story never told that George Bush was uh, the greatest economy ever and he ne- just no, he never got any credit for it? And three months later, we're in the crap hole. I mean, uh, and here's a guy who then he went on to become, uh, what, Trump's head of council of economic advisors? So, are you saying they're all full of crap? I, I don't. I don't. I just think that they. They, you know. Well, if you're not, I, I will. I just wanted to make sure we. Well, didn't I mean, what, no, what, what, did the, what did the poet say? Man, he hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. Uh, who was that? Is that the, the Paul Simon? I think so. Paul Simon, the politician, or Paul Simon, the uh, the, 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 the singer, the singer, the songwriter. Yeah. But uh, you know, I, I, I can't emphasize enough. As, as, as we have talked this week, you know, maybe about this baby formula stuff and how it's a government-inspired and made cartel, and in that particular area, we should we should take apart every one of these things. And how, how many of them are out there, Kevin? I mean, every once in a while we bump into one. There's got to be all kinds of them that are they're little little cartels, little fiefdoms that shouldn't be there. And and I, I'm going to say, you know, without any rigorous examination that since 1989 with this bill, with these four companies being in charge of essentially the whole industry, I'm going to say that the price of baby formula is is 10 to 15 percent higher than it ought to be, maybe 20. So it, it's artificially high, and we've built risk into the system. Right. Good but, job. Yes, good job. And when... But, we did the same thing with... Uh, but but I, I would venture to say that there was somebody out there who thought that we were making good law because it was going to help the children. Right, yeah. And, uh, and But the problem is it never helps the children. And it it I never think... uh, proves to be good law because nobody ever thinks there's going to be unintended consequences, and there are always unintended consequences, which is the reason for less government. <laughs> well, if I was... You know, if I was well, Moses or Solomon and somebody would drop me someplace, like the Oval Office, or no one would want to be there, but on, a, on, a, on top of the Congress or someplace, or they probably arrest me. Um, the one, the one thing I would change constitutionally, Kevin, is, and I honestly, I don't know. I mean, Brendan always gives me crap about it, but since I'm getting so conspiratorial, that I, I think people are, are plotting this in advance. He absolutely disagrees with that. I mean, Brendan is. A real nice guy. He's pretty liberal, uh, but he doesn't doesn't seem to observe the, the the pattern of of sneakiness in some of these bills. And and I and, and and I try. I'm back to people must have planned it in the first place. I mean, they planned. I mean, Volcker wanted the savings and loans out of business. He was he was he was told to do that by somebody, the big banks or whatever. And uh, anyway, so 
the uh, <clears throat> the upshot of it is is when you, when you I think we would want to do is every bill you pass pick a pick a date four years five years it has to be totally debated somebody has to file a report on what it's actually doing and it has to be debated again because it probably if somebody would have brought in front of Congress in ninety four you know five years after this bill was passed hey look we're, we're down to four companies that's not what we planned. And if you don't control the state, you don't get anywhere. I think somebody might have changed it, maybe. You know, there's just no, there's no like report on what we did. Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna do this to this property and make it look better. All of a sudden, three years later, somebody writes in, it looks worse, you idiots. Well, there there needs to be a review of something. I think a lot of very well intended things don't turn out that way. But they just, 20 years later, they're still there. I mean, I don't know, I'm being charitable this morning, I guess. Yeah, but you're, but you're right, and you know, so some bills do have sunsets in them, and and that's good, um, but many of them don't, and that's not good. Well, um, where I'm going with this is that because you never have the chance, you never have the chance to do a, a, a course adjustment. But I, I, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm not sure government is all that inclined to do course adjustments, even if they have the opportunity. Because that's what we observed as in their response to the uh, uh, COVID situation. Well, nobody ever wants to admit a mistake, and in today's world, uh, the the snipes. You don't even have to admit a, uh, admit a mistake half the time. Sometimes you just have to say we have an adjustment. We're going to make an improvement. Yeah, that's not necessarily oh, an you're a, of a mistake. It's oh, just it's, you know, it's time to make a correction. Well, you're, you could be a spinmeister. It, it's, it's an infuriating aspect of government. Is but you're right. Nobody wants to admit a mistake either. And and the world, where half the world is sitting around at home, doing nothing but but looking for fault in other people. All you have to do is is say. Well, I should have done it another way, and this is better, which I do every way, every day, by the way. I put a position on, and two days later, I adjust it for people, and that's what I do. I mean, uh, the idea that you're gonna, every single position you put on is going to be a winner, but then I'm in a business where I actually do something, right? But now if somebody's at home, oh, geez, oh, the chief guy, man, he, he bought the 15 calls, he should have bought the 12, so what's the matter with him? <laughs> Four days later, well, duh, right? I mean, the, 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 I, mean I, I as much as I'm not a, a Jay Pritzker fan, I uh, got a pretty good view, Kevin, of of what this world has come come to during the COVID mess. When he was, I don't know why he was doing it. Maybe that was his mistake, doing the, the press conferences every day. And I'm driving back from uh, Audrey's on a Sunday, and I don't know why the hell I turned on whatever I was on. And uh, and he's got the thing, you know, it's on the radio, and they're they're eviscerating the guy because they did some you know crazy mask mandate in, in Michigan or someplace, and. Uh, and then and I, I'm sure the room was half male, half female, and I'm just there were, were four or five. They all, none of the guys, well, the, the five minutes I was listening, none of the guys said anything. These four ladies, Kevin, it was brutal. He sh- he should have he should have thrown a tomato all four of them and then left. So the governor of Michigan feels that she needs to do this to save lives, and you don't want to. You know, this, this, the, the the pressure you get from these people when they don't know anything, but they're just oh. So how come this governor is saying uh, uh, you, they close these stores and you're not? You don't care if people go in these stores to get COVID. You know, I mean, <laughs> it was you call that press? I mean, uh, and I don't I don't think either side can say which side they were on. But I mean, you, you, that's that's helping the place. I mean, and, and the and next the day, answer to that is no. So I, 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 I turn and, off the radio and, and I go because. Um, uh, 
you know, and, and I've spent the week sort of wallowing in this uh, in this concept, uh, and that is that if you if you don't have the data, you know, I, I mean, I'm I'm in a conference this week, you know, it's all about assessment uh, and and doing you know proper assessments, and it's got to be data driven. As I told my students in class, because I had to stream my classes uh, uh, this week, and I told my students in class, uh, we're going to pre-test everything that you do because if uh, uh, if you take a, a if you take the first exam and you get twenty percent on it, and then you take the you take the uh, as a pre-test and then you take it for real and you get eighty-five, I did a good job. If you did. Uh, uh, if you got 20 percent on the on the first one, and 20 percent when you retested it, I didn't do my job. I didn't do a good job. And if you get 85 percent on the first one and 85 percent on the second one, good for you. You're getting a B, but still, I didn't do anything for right, it. Right, right. The, the point the point being, it has to. It always has to be data driven. Every you know the decisions you make have you know it, it's you can have opinions, but you can, you you support. Your opinions need to be supported by data, and you know you get all these media people, and you get politicians, you get everybody else, and they're only supporting it with emotions, and that is not helpful to anyone. And that's you know so as I go back to your point, is can you point to uh, data that says we're successful or not? And so when you make when you make law. You need to make it. You know, it, it's it's the same thing that you you always do in the business world. Is you measure. You know, it, you you know what you expect to achieve, and then you measure. And if the measure isn't, you know, isn't adding up to what you expected to achieve, you either have to correct or you have to back it out and say it's not working. Let's move on to the next thing. That's okay. You know, the continuous improvement mindset is okay. We just don't have it anywhere, and they're not, and nobody's trained in it. And the people who are reporting and who are spouting off, uh, um, and uh, just don't have a clue. They don't even, they don't even understand the concept, let alone what, uh, you know how, how, what to do or to present, how to present uh, real, real data and information. Well, yeah, but the concept is, when in doubt, fudge the data. That's what you do. I know that. Think the CPI is not fudge coming out Friday. The, uh, Say that again. I said you fudge the data. Well, yeah, that too. That, that's, <laughs> that's a different problem. Well, I mean, but you but, know what? But even you know, it, it's one thing to fudge the data to just basically to lie. It's another to say, well, we have a bad way of measuring. But even if you have a bad way of measuring, if you're consistent from you know measurement measuring period to measuring period, you're probably going to at least be able to determine a trend and determine whether there's some effect there. It's when it's when they go and lie about the data. Would you rather get it right or would you rather lie and 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 so that you can't nobody can prove you got it wrong? Well, that's what that's essentially <laughs> what's happening. How's that for a mindset? Well, just to get back to my my original point is I think if we, you know, we've been on this antitrust kick for a while, but we could go from industry to industry, Kevin and I. I've been a well happily because I couldn't play any sports with glasses. I don't know how people do, but thank God the contact lenses were invented when I was young, and uh, and, and I've been wearing them for God knows how many years. And every time some new contact lens solution company comes on, there was one that came on. Uh, Mr. Boston came on when I was a kid, and they could only get it through the uh, eye doctors, and it was like half the price of the one or two brands that were out there. 
sure enough, they got bought by somebody. Somebody else got bought by somebody. And I would I would say that if if somebody was going to do a rigorous assessment, if I was a professor in Chicago and I had a bunch of gnomes around me and said go go do some some research, I would bet you that for the last forty years I've been wearing contact lenses that I've paid twenty five percent more for the stuff than I should have if it was allowed to remain competitive and people weren't buying everybody else up. Now, it's it's ten bucks every quarter, you know, for for the for the two bottles you buy, so twenty bucks every quarter. So it's costing me, you know, whatever. What fifteen bucks a year more, sixteen bucks a year. No, nobody is going to spend any time on something like that. And I'm sure, even this infant formula, with the government buying it for over half of the people, they don't care if the government's paying too much for it. And the other people that can quote afford it. But what, what the point I'm trying to make here: all this stuff helps those industries towards if I pay an extra 20 bucks a week for infant formula or 15 bucks a week without even knowing it also without even knowing it it's it's two less beers at the Tripoli or something or it's or it's uh you know when, when the wife and I go out we don't have an after dinner drink or something like it, it comes out of some other place and it's the other place <coughs> the one who ends up getting hurt by it but <coughs> but what I don't understand about our 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 legislators and our News people, is that is that that type of inflation just shoves one up and shoves another one down. I won't even call it inflation; I'll call it crookedness. Shoves one up it's, and shoves. It's just squeezing the balloon. It, 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 you know, it's silly putty. You pop, you squeeze here and it pops out somewhere else. That is totally different from what we're looking at right now. This general inflation. General inflation can only be caused by the central bank. <laughs> Those are the guys you're trying to tell them to fix it. They're the ones who caused it. That with that 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 type of inflation, this type of inflation, is only is only because there's you know forty thousand houses in the world, and we just doubled the amount of money out there. The money is a good like everything else, and none of these people, none of these representatives, these people have any. They may know it, but they don't seem like how, that is one of the most basic concepts of economics. Kevin, I was reading the other day about the uh, the seventy three percent inflation they now have in Turkey. Okay, so knowing what I know, I thank God for the internet. I have to trundle over to some, you know, some library. I kick up Turkish money supply. What do you think it's up in the last year? Seventy-three percent, or give give or take a point or two. I mean, what what is? How do people not get the concept? They debase their currency based on uh, comparison to all the other goods. This is so simple. Why why is this a tough concept? Yeah, and who was it? Was it? Um, um uh, was it Yellen yesterday? You know, they asked her about inflation. Said, oh no, inflation all over the world. It's not us. Yeah, yeah. Because because we, we don't trigger the United States economy doesn't trigger anything else el- elsewhere in the world. Well, I, I will say this is normally what happens if you go back to the, the mercantilist world, where people would would everybody was based their currency was always based on gold. Well, most of the time, based on gold. And what would you would do? You would devalue yours. You'd say, okay. It's thirty-five bucks to a to an ounce. We're going to make it forty-five, right? So what you would do is your people now all of a sudden would be better off because you put more more out there, but for a while now. But if it and then if another guy did theirs, the question is: if you were to say somebody a year and a half ago, and this was really when you're really pouring money into the system, if you were to say, "God, the dollar is going down," I, I mean it's going down in relation to automobiles, 
computers, everything else. It's going down itself as a good. But that's not the way it's taken. The way it's taken is, is it going down versus the euro or the yen or something, or the ruble? Well, if everybody's doing the same thing, it's not going down versus the euro. But all of them are going down based on gold or computers or houses or whatever. And this concept, it takes a little while, Kevin, but it's not brain surgery. It really isn't. I don't think. I don't think so either. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of, so unless, but now, now the decision to be made, if you and I were making it, we, of course we'd have to have Russell and our, our professors with us, if you and I were making it, what's the solution? Okay, and, I, and now, the solution is, uh, and when I say this, the, 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 the path is not clear. If you drop, which the Fed is already doing, by the way, uh, they're, they're dropping the money supply growth, and we, we've seen, the balance sheet actually turned and sneaked down a little bit. Not very much, but a little bit. So they're actually doing something. The last month, I think the money supply growth was down at 3.5% annually. Now, which isn't a bad number going forward. So let's say we just drop it down to 3%. And going forward, that's probably where it ought to be. And on a long-term basis. But now what happens? We don't, we, none of these prices come down at all. They stay where they are. And, and I'd say for 80-90% of the population, it's dramatically higher. The, the increase in prices is dramatically higher over the last two or three years than anybody's salary's gone up, even with some of the people going from 10 to 12%, uh, 10 to $12 an hour and something. They're so low you can't even use that 20% percentage, Kevin. You know, if, if you're making, if you're making a buck an hour and you get a 50, 50 cent raise, that's not helping you in this, in this society. There's some, there's some math that, you know, can be misleading. Yeah, you know, yeah, total stipulation. Real wages uh, have taken a big hit. Yeah. And, um, uh, and, and family budgets have, have just been, when you're, you know, when you're talking about, uh, uh, the, the large number of people who live paycheck to paycheck, throw an extra, uh, a hundred bucks even, but, you know, an extra couple hundred bucks, uh, into the, uh, budget to make ends meet. That's really hard. Yeah, you know now now the kids are eating mac and cheese for three days before payday. Right. So my my question is now, if if they were to ask us to run this fix, I don't know what I'd do. I I don't know if I would uh, just zero in on a on a long term rate, pretend this never happened, and hope somehow wages catch up because we aren't maybe important as much or whatever, which we still are, by the way. Uh, or do I try and lower the price level, like like pull money, so much money out of the system that we go the other way? I don't know that we want to do that. That 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 is that is totally fraught with peril. That's what that's what Volcker did. I I don't think he needed to do that. Or do we or do we do a common ground? Do we say okay for the next year and a half we're going to grow the money supply by one and a half? And Tom, hope- I think the only answer is wage and price controls. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> Then I, now you're not going to get me to say my off-color story on that on here. Yeah. If I if I keep pushing here, if I keep pushing here, we're going to be told uh, that that we'll never be back on on radio because we just are too vulgar. <laughs> um, the quote was something along the line: uh, "Will everybody fill in the blanks?" Eliani, close your delicate ears. Is ways and price controls did the economy what pantyhose did to something something? Just saying. 
<laughs> that was it was a little more descriptive descriptive and he was also the dean of the of the school of the University of Chicago business at the time <laughs> but anyway he was he was not happy with wage and price controls but you know there's yeah, another I there's would a, agree. There, well there was another thing the dude uh if anybody was around when those things came out cuz we were actually studying them in school um the uh what, wage and price controls or pantyhose? Oh, no, the wage and price controls. <laughs> well, let's talk about it after break. SP Futures down 10, NASDAQ Futures down 875. We've come back almost back to even here. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. 
Blown off by Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Aliani on the board. SP Futures, uh, only down six and a quarter. Now, NASDAQ Futures are actually up, uh, seven. So we've managed to break to the upside here. Dow Futures still down 100. That's eh? a couple of stocks here. Home Depot down the buck 77. Intel's down 118. Uh, not, not, I, uh, not, not much on the Dow here. But, uh, we're not, we're nowhere near as, as down like we were a little bit ago. We're in Europe, we've got the DAX down 61.4%, FTSE down 28.4%, Hekaron down 40.6%, so moderately down over there. Asia Nikkei up 290, it's 1%, a full 1%. Uh, Shanghai up 22.7%, Hang Seng up 42, 2.2%, and these guys are creeping back some. Now, remember early in the year they were 29,000 under 22,000, but they're back from, or 20,000 low, so they're making some, Alibaba is up 10%, so that's what's dragging the uh, Asian markets up a lot. I, I cannot figure whether these things are worth something or not worth. One day they're going to jail, next day they're okay. It's kind of crazy investing. Uh, yesterday, Dow was up 264, S&P up 39, NASDAQ up 113, so a pretty strong day. Bonds up 4 basis points, 301, wow. Uh, Blend up 6, six uh, 1.35, and how long were we? those guys were negative? Uh, Japan, same spot though, 0. 0.25, that's what's causing a lot of the the uh, dollar movement, dollar yen, is one rate's going up and the other's not. Uh, oil up a dollar eighteen, one twenty fifty nine. Rent up a dollar eight, one twenty one sixty five. Natural gas up two cents, nine thirty one. The energy patch just is not looking back here. Our Bob unchanged at four fifteen, four fifteen. That's awful high. Uh, gold up a dime, eighteen fifty two. Silver down twenty one cents, twenty one ninety six. Copper down two cents, four forty. And we've got Bitcoin down three thirty five at thirty thousand. 465, where it's kind of been 30,000 plus or minus 1,000 uh, for quite a while now. So, Millie, anyway, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Thanks so much, Tom. Good morning, everyone. Currently 6.35 a.m. on June 8th. Let's talk baseball. Diamondbacks lose to the Reds last night, 14-8, to with a chance for a comeback tonight at 5.40. Cubs lost to the Orioles last night, 9-3, to with another rematch today at 6.05, and the White Sox beat the Dodgers. Uh, 4-0, and they will be having another game today at 7:10. Looking at weather in Chicago this morning, uh, mostly cloudy, uh, 63 with a high of 66, low 54 with scattered rain throughout the day. And Phoenix currently sunny, 84 with a high of 110 and a low of 82. Looking at uh, traffic in Chicago, we have traffic eastbound on 290 between St. Charles all the way to downtown, approaching the 290 I-94 construction intersect. We have traffic eastbound on I-90 between Lawrence and Lee Street. Traffic eastbound on 94 between North Racine and Canal Port. Traffic westbound on 94 between 59th and West Ontario. Traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 and South Kedzie. At and on southbound on Lakeshore, there is an accident at North Avenue. It's not causing any major traffic uh, at the moment, but later on in the morning, uh, make sure that you're driving ahead of time to avoid any future traffic that will be caused by that. And that's everything. Back to you, Chief. So, uh, Kevin, what I was what I was mentioning is that, um, you know, I, I'm not so sure what, if you actually could put the brain, brain trusts in the room, based on how we came out of it last time with the Volcker part and the, and the wages continuing to go up, even when there wasn't any, and the lag in the the lag in the CPI, even if it was straight. I mean, there's all kinds of moving parts here. I don't know that you that you decide, okay, we're going to have zero money supply growth or, or negative, with an intention of of coming of, of coming back on this. I mean, I don't know. At some point, the things that can't stand, in my opinion, uh, I don't think you can have. Uh, a, me, a median in, uh, in, income where we are right now, with a medium house price at forty four hundred thousand or three ninety five, with the mortgage rates going up, I don't I don't see how you can have, you know, a median 
price where 85 or 90 percent of your population can't afford it. The, the math just doesn't add up. And on top of it, we're going to tell them they should all buy electric cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, I uh, I was I mean, I, one of uh, Audrey's friends, um, friend of the show, uh, bought a new car and uh, and well, she works hard. She deserves it. I'm not. There's no nothing about that. I was absolutely stunned the price of the car, Kevin. It was a uh, sixty-seven thousand dollars for like a, a little SUV. I mean, really? <laughs> but uh, and, and your median income is what thirty-six. So the price, and it's you know, it's not a, it's not a uh, Mercedes, but it's I'm going to say on a scale of one to ten on cars, it's probably a seven. It's not at nine, but it's you know it's clearly not at three either. It's not a little sh- little chubby. Uh, I mean, I, really? I mean, is, how, how does how does a car be damn near double the median income? I mean, in our day, you made eighteen grand when I came out of school, or two years out, and a car was four. Not even close. Oh hell! And you know, you could buy used cars for hundreds. You know, yeah. you you would talk about the the price in the hundreds. All, you know, I think the most I ever paid for a car when I was in college was two four hundred bucks. Yeah, well, <laughs> what I sold that old beater of mine to Frank for eighty bucks, ninety. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not so sure. I think he got taken actually at ninety bucks. But um, anyhow, the, no, it's well, now we have you know the Georgia or the the Atlanta Fed is coming out now as as people everybody has to genuflect to the how well we're doing, you know, sort of a. Uh, deal, and yet you go to the Atlanta Fed, and and they're going to tell you that uh, that we're down on, on this. Now there'll never be a recession, never be a recession, right? Well, by the way, the first quarter GDP was negative, so two in a row. When these guys are down, we were there. We were there. So now the uh, GDP now this is they just redid it again on June seventh, which was yesterday. They're down to point nine percent. It was was like two percent three weeks ago. It's how fast they're coming down with these numbers that are. We could easily be down to, to zero in another three weeks. I mean, I'm not hoping for it for sure, but uh, you see these target numbers, and everybody's convinced that this is just a blip. That if all of a sudden this in, you know inflation number Friday shows a glimmer of hope, and we and we've topped out, that all of a sudden we're like totally okay. It hasn't begun to really mess with people, Kevin, or it's just beginning to mess with people. I don't. I mean, I don't well, know. Well, we're, we're also we're gonna. Uh, you know, let, let's just say we get an inflation number that we say is six percent year over year. Everybody's going to say, "See, isn't this great?" Yeah, again, do the month to month. Yeah, and, and and honestly, it's not great unless prices, you know, take a negative turn. Well, and, and even and start and start inching their way back, and they're not gonna. I mean, you know, now we have a new baseline. Uh, that, well, that's, that's all we've done is reset the baseline. But I really, I mean, there may be some individual commodities. We may see gasoline, for example, fall back down at some point in time. But, uh, uh, but you know, the idea that you know that your stake is going to suddenly go back to uh, uh, e- even ten bucks, you know, a, a pound, um, or um, you know, a box of cereal is going to fall back, or any any of those types of things that people routinely buy. That hamburger is going to be, you know, somehow be two fifty nine or something like that. It, it's just not. It's not going to happen. We've got we've set a new baseline, and that's where we're going to. That's where our prices are going to be from now on. 
How long is it going to take for wages to catch up to that? You know, remember, we, we all wanted that, uh, not we all, but, uh, um, you know, there, there, there was the strong campaign for the $15 an hour wage. And de facto, they got it. You know, by paying people to stay home, they forced businesses to bid up their wages. And, you know, whatever, whatever you think a fair wage is or isn't, it, it got forced. Um, it, it was caused to happen even though the legal minimum wage didn't change. And, um, uh, and now we've, inflation has outpaced that. So what are we going to do? $20 minimum wage? Well, I think we're going to end up with a number of, you better pay somebody that or he can't get to work. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, uh, the, the, the big benefit in all this is always, is always government. So even if you're up to $15 an hour, <clears throat> so, if if you can find a used car that runs for less than eight or nine grand, uh, you're you're doing pretty good. Uh, all right, so you're gonna pay. So somebody gave you the nine grand. I can do this from memory. Um, you're paying. <clears throat> you're, you're paying seven percent tax. And then on the nine grand, so that's what five forty five. Uh, seven times seven times nine fifty four, right? Uh, is that right? No, sixty three. Um, so you got uh, 630 there. The, the title and all that stuff is about a buck and a half. The plates are a buck and a half. So now you're up to 900. City sticker and the and the the permit to park in front of your own friggin' house. That's another buck and a half. So you're up to 1100. Um, what else can we throw in there? Something else, <laughs> probably. But uh, right. So at 15 bucks an hour, where are you? Your first how many hours are are, are, are the uh, are your first eighty hours are to the state? Just for just for transferring the car over to yourself, if they didn't, if you had the money to buy it yourself, that doesn't include the yeah, gas. Assuming, that, assuming you have the money to buy it in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, how is somebody going to come to work for that? I mean, God help you if you got to park in a meter, or, I mean, or park someplace, uh, or you're coming across the bridge from Indiana is now what five eighty, so that's. That's eleven each way, so that's that's almost one hour of your eight, right? Just to go over across the bridge, it's been there for eighty years or seventy. I mean, what? I mean, what? We're not even we're not even on the, the planet here, Kevin, of people having a, a real life at these price at these at these wages, right? And you know, just remember twenty 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 bucks is is forty thousand a year, roughly. It's two thousand hours in a year, so I mean, it, we're not even close to making people. Even if you're working, how, how are you getting anywhere? I mean, plus, you got to live somewhere, and uh, and you know. And when I say the, the CPI number, people are, are somewhat lying. They're going to come out Friday, and, and wherever the number is, I'm, I'm guessing because of the way the market's performing here, it's wanting to creep up. That the number is already out. To some people, and it's and it's within a number that is uh, is is enough to where they can defend, and it's probably going to cause a rally. Okay, so let's say I'm right. I, I could be totally wrong. I could be out with a clunker number. Uh, and go the other way, but let's say I'm right. In the last year, Case Shiller says home prices are up 21 percent, the mortgage rates are up 40 percent. All right, so they're going to tell us in the last 12 months that to own a home, you're, it's up 4.8 percent. Now, really, I mean, uh, we're not even on the same, not even on the same planet. But you know what's kind of odd, Kevin, is uh, well, several things. I got a whole bunch of stuff here for you when. Back in the day, when you had a savings and loan situation, and uh, 
for years, years and years, mortgages were what six percent, and your passbook was three, three and a quarter, somewhere in there. And the people in the neighborhood got got money. Their money went to people's houses, and the other two seven five was uh, you know the people that worked in the bank, the building, and all the other crap that went with it. And it didn't seem like an unfair trade. Well, now mortgages are pushing six. Kevin, I don't see anybody getting three in a bank, do you? Not even close. I mean, this money has gone up. Where, where, where does the average person... I should be able to get a piece of that if I if I put my money in a bank or someplace. I guess there's some... I, I can invest in BlackRock or somebody who's buying this stuff, but I don't, I don't want to necessarily... What, where's where's the mortgage play? Why 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 isn't the savings going up with the inflation? I mean, what, why would some why why would somebody put their money? I know why people put their money in the bank. I have money in the bank, but the idea that I'm making nothing, even if it's even if it's ten grand or twenty, I mean, I'm not talking about millions. How, how am I how am I getting nothing? If I if I have twenty grand in there at the end of the year, I got eighteen, right? How, how how is it that these people have managed to still today not pay anybody any interest? I mean, what the hell? It, it's astounding, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I just I, I I'm just pulling out my credit card or my uh, credit union uh, account. I just want to see what kind of interest rates are available at the credit union today, just to see if that's any better. I bet they're up to one. Um, but I, I'm guessing they're probably in the twos. That's a good credit union. I'm going to say they're one and a half, but when you, but I mean, but this is all supposed to be circular, so other people get to do well when some people do. I mean, it's the, somebody's using somebody's money for these mortgages, and the somebody's aren't don't seem to be getting it. Our mortgage rate's going to go to eight, and you still get nothing on your in the bank. I mean, what, what are we doing here? I mean, I, the, the disconnects are all over the place, and a few people obviously have got themselves positioned where they're doing like really, really well. And I don't, I, somehow or another, I don't see how, you know, Kevin, I know this is not your, 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 your philosophy and it isn't mine either. Uh, but it was, it's, uh, I read somewhere and, you know, people make these kind of outlandish statements. There's always a shred of truth in there. That's why I don't, even like the wildest progressive or the wildest, uh, uh, you know, uh, Attila the Hun right winger, there's usually some truth in what they say. But this guy wrote the economic treatise was the, the job of government is left left unfettered something like this left unfettered ten percent of the people will steal everybody else's money or <laughs> will steal ninety percent of the money so government's job but he said it's actually very vibrant when that happens but government's job is to take the money and get it back to the rest of the people so the next generation the same ten percent can do it all over again. <laughs> In, I, I thought about that. I said, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Then all of a sudden I kept, I kept thinking about it, Kevin. And there's a certain rhyme of truth in there, isn't there? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we got, Tom, we have like about 10 minutes yeah. left, and we've been agreeing on all of this stuff. Yeah, this, we is, go this is cool. Can we find some area of disagreement so we could actually have some decent radio? Um, yeah, you know, uh, hey, you know, I've got to get a load of this. I had somebody, this, this Cora... This core digest that I, I don't know why I even open it because then I get addicted to it. Somebody writes in and he's talking about best places to live. And he listed like eight things. Doesn't want it cold, uh, wants to be near a body of water, 
wants the taxes to be less than than you know median. Well, the guy starts filtering counties, and they, how he got all this information in every county. First, he got rid of the cold counties, so now you're dropped. You know, you're in the middle part of the country or lower. And then he decided the ones where they have good good taxation, and that like kicked about another boatload out. Then, if you want good schools, well, then that dropped a real boatload out. And then they didn't want people too redneck. Anybody who voted for Trump, <laughs> uh, whatever, they didn't want that. Or a certain percentage for Trump, they didn't want that. Anyway, by the end of the, by the end of the whole mess, they were down to like four counties in Texas and one in Mississippi. There aren't very many. <laughs> there, wow. You know, you know, kind of, sort of interesting, in, in, interesting stuff. But so, what uh, this conference? Tell us. Oh, about here, that. real, real quickly, uh, certificates um, at Interra Credit Union. If you want to go out sixty months, you can get four and a half. Well, that's not horrible. Forty-eight month is three. Thirty-six month is two and a half. Twenty-four month is two. Um, so it's and half, you're getting half the inflation rate. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. But it's better than most, and that's probably way better than anybody else in the area. Yeah, I mean, for for those that that, that, that don't rem, don't remember, or, your rate of interest is supposed to be the real rate of interest, which is like two percent, two and a half, three, um, and it's been somewhat of a constant through centuries, plus the anticipated inflation. So, if you think your dollar is going to be worth ten percent less, and the interest rate you want to get from it is two percent. You better charge twelve, right? Otherwise, the money you get back is going to be worth ten percent less than what you gave it to the person for. Yeah. So, well, hey, what, what's this conference? Uh, are, you, are you are you buying at the bar? Or what are you doing? You uh, no, I'm talking to you actually. But no, uh, I'm I'm in Providence. It's a um, uh, assessment. You know, it's it's all about assessment. And in the in the college world, and Russell probably tell you the same thing. Um, there's strong emphasis, especially uh, amongst the accrediting, accrediting in, uh, agencies, um, on being able not just to say what you're doing, but to be able to prove what you're doing, to be able to prove that you're successfully uh, educating your students. And uh, so, you know, it's all it's all data driven stuff. Um, it, but uh, you know, there's there's also you know as part of it identifying different kinds of equity gaps and. So on that are that I you know that's it, it, important um, in in figuring out ways that if you have uh, uh, different groups of people whether it's racial whether it's I mean we we even talked you know a little bit yesterday about about family situations that I, I may have a student uh, um, you know uh, people you know people with kids uh, if you're if you're 40 years old with three kids and you decide to go back to school and you're married. Um, that might I might see different performance uh, out of that student than I would out of someone who's 27 has three kids and isn't married. Um, you know, so you, it, it's it's not just a matter of saying how how am I doing on a macro level, but are there are there uh, specific people that I'm not serving very well? The the other one is that as you look at assessment, I may find. Uh, that as I bring people through my uh, program, and then the program has a specific set of objectives, that if I consistently hit 85%, you'd say we're doing pretty well. Unless I find that that 15% or 10 percentage points out of the 15 are all in one area, and maybe I'm breaking down completely in one part of my curriculum uh, while doing an excellent job in all the others. So you don't know until you get into the data, and this this conference is all about the data. Well, when you... 
I'll, I'll bring up a very, very quick story. But when at the University of Chicago, when I was there, they used to have a class on campus, which is in Hyde Park, and it, the same professor, if he was teaching a class, he would teach that at night, downtown at the 190 program. But, but we would go two days a week, 75-minute classes, like during the day when you're sort of bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And at night, it was 150 minutes, pretty much after somebody worked all day. And uh, I, uh, I, I never, I did, I did two classes at night in the summer, and I'm like, I, I hated it, you know. And I didn't do so hot one of these economic or uh, advanced accounting classes, and I decided accounting wasn't for me. But uh, every other time, and then they marked this all on a curve, Kevin, which was insane because I can honestly say every single, every test we ever took on campus. There was never anybody in the downtown area that beat me on a test. Then when I went downtown and took the two classes, I figured out why. <laughs> but what do you, what do you, what can, how much can you as a professor, how much do you notice? Or how much do you, uh, and what can you do about it if you just, if you just tell somebody worked all day, maybe he has an infant at home and he's still trying to go to school at night, he or she, and there's, there's a ton of bricks on the guy and it wasn't just me, you know, living at home, going to class, playing basketball for two hours, going to another class. I mean, it was free and easy for me. Plus, I had just gotten out of school, so I was pretty fresh. Yeah, and, and people don't always share their personal circumstances with right. you. Some do. But, I mean, it was so um, easy for me relatively. You know, there's, there, there are a number of things that you can do. So one is, you, you know, you have to deal with deadlines and, and uh, uh, assignments, getting in on time and all that. And maybe you can uh, give a little grace to someone who needs it. Um, uh, you know, uh, based on circumstances, there's a difference between giving someone a pass and giving someone some grace, and and you can always give someone some grace. So that's part of it. Uh, a lot of it has to do with learning styles. A lot of it has to do with how you uh, how you plan your courses. So when I know I have um, you know certain courses where I, I am loaded up with uh, working adults who are going to be you know, as you described, their, their, um, their time is going to be a premium. I can take a lot of the assignments that are built into the class and say we're going to do them in the classroom. Okay. Uh, you know, make it turn it into a group assignment, turn it into a full class uh, uh, discussion, whatever it is, and I can do that to lighten the homework uh, uh, burden while at the same time, um, you know, making the class a little more interesting because nobody needs to listen to me for three hours. And... Uh, uh, and, uh, um, and 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 accomplishing the course objectives. So there's there's all kinds of things you have to accommodate learning styles. So you know there's all kinds of different learning styles that people have. So you try and plan your classroom and your classroom activities around those learning styles and try to have something in there for everybody. So that I may uh, I may be teaching um, you know a certain kind of lesson, but I'm going to teach it four different ways. Um, and hit on each one over the course of the uh, uh, classroom to make sure that the the learning styles are are, are addressed and that it, you know or or it or, and I may not be able to do that every class so I might be able to do that though over the course of a few classes to hit every learning style so that everybody has a chance to to really excel so the, you know there's there's just a mindfulness Tom that goes with it um, that that is really really important as as you plan this out. And uh, you know, four years ago when I started into this full time, I couldn't have talked about any of this kind of stuff. But uh, well, I got to believe that with that's why we have professional development. Well, I, I also think that in, you know, as a as a, I'm always grumping about modern communication networks. And boy, I think if you were were to be able on a to get up early on a Saturday morning while the kids maybe are still asleep and go over a half hour of the lecture or something on your 
computer, that would have to be able to help dramatically than when I was doing it. Yeah, I had a student Monday night tell me because I, you know, I, I this week I have to do virtual class. Uh, I had a student tell me, ask me if I was recording it. And I said I really wasn't, but uh, I could, so I hit the record button because this particular student said I really need to see this again and take notes a second time. I said, okay, I can do that. You know, because again, it it becomes, you know, how how does each individual learn? Um, because we, I have to educate a classroom full of people, but at the same time, I have to uh, educate individuals. Well, Kevin, this is the huge challenge, and I, it, it is so powerful, I think, for the show because these, these are things that I'd like to see happen. And you, you actually show how you can make some progress. And your stuff from five years ago, you, you, you go about it a lot different than you did back then. I mean, it's it's a lot more improvement. There's a lot more. You seem aware, and I think there's there's a growing stuff in what you guys are doing there, and I I don't sense that same stuff happening here in Illinois. Um, actually, uh, with uh, with Karen on last Monday, uh, she mentioned that they were they were trying Illinois was getting better, but she she knew of you guys. I don't know if you, you heard the interview. She, yeah, 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 I did hear that. And yes. uh, and I, I think that Illinois is is a little bit behind in that, and. Uh, Maybe, maybe it, it may be, you know, one of, one of the things that we have going for us, and, you know, e- even campus to campus, it's different for us. We have 20 campuses, but we're a statewide school. So when, when there is a worthwhile initiative, it's, it gets the whole state. In Illinois, each, you know, each, um, college, each community college has its own separate governance, and, uh, and so the initiatives are, are, uh, kind of hit and miss, I think, as you go through there. Each one has its advantages. You know, I was talking to someone who used to work at our place uh, yesterday morning, and uh, yeah, as we were talking about, she said there was so much stuff she liked about it. And I said, yeah, but I, th- I bet you you don't miss the bureaucracy because we do have a fair amount of bureaucracy that's driven out of Indianapolis. And you know, uh, if if I were to go uh, um, to my uh, uh, Michigan side of the border, community college, Southwest Michigan, um, I, I would uh, I would not have to deal with any of that. You know, the the, it, it, the president of the college would be someone I bump into the hall into in the hallway, not someone that uh, I have you know would only see at uh, certain events or uh, or if I go to Indianapolis and happen to make an appointment with her. There you go. All right. Well, enjoy yourself. You're, you're flying. You're convoluted way back, right? Actually, it's not too bad coming back. I mean, it is a little. I'm flying back. I flew in and out of Grand Rapids, so from I'll go Providence to Newark, short layover, and then go to Grand Rapids. I'm just not going to get back until Thursday overnight, like 2 a.m. So I'm not going to necessarily be the most chipper guest you've ever had on Friday morning, but I'll be there. Well, maybe you can give us a report as to why the Rapids there are so grand. They, well, they, they just are. You know, <laughs> what can you say? That's a few um, down 12 days. If he was on 27, Kevin, take care of yourself. Fly safe. Be right back. Professor Russell Rhodes. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for 
for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tamar Eliani on the board. SP Futures down 14. Is a futures down thirty three? Do we have Mr. Russell? Yeah, I'm here, Professor. I'm here. How are you, buddy? We could just continue to talk about how much better Indiana does things than Illinois. Um, because that's really what you yeah, that's that's what you know with the Ivy Tech thing. Because uh, the Indiana University, there's uh, eight or nine other campuses that all work very closely closely with Bloomington. Um. When I was with UIC, and I think it's gotten a little bit better, UIC and University of Illinois, uh, you know, downstate, they wouldn't even interact with each other. Like, they wouldn't even share facilities. Like, if Illinois wanted to do something up in Chicago, UIC wouldn't let them use facilities. That's, you got to have your turf. Uh, well, whatever. So. Yeah, well, you know. No, I mean, it, the, the way Ivy Tech works together, it, I've, I've heard nothing but wonderful things. Um, Indiana is one of two states that, that has more people working in manufacturing than uh, government, and I think Ivy Tech has an awful lot to do with that. Uh, Russell, well, kind of while we're on this subject, even though I guess we have some, uh-huh. a lot of listeners that aren't from Illinois, but what what is the relationship? You've got the University of Illinois, which seems to me to love people out of state and out of country more than they do people in state, and that might be harsh. We've got 
the UIC Chicago, we got, UIC, we got, we got, then we got the Southerns. Well, UIC Chicago is allegedly a, a universe, uh, University of Illinois type place. Then you've got the Southerns, the Easterns, those kind of places. And then you've got the Chicago Junior Colleges. But then you have like the College of DuPage. Does every county have a junior college, or we're, we're oh, not every county, but ones that that are heavily populated. So if I want to go and to junior C- college, and is you know, um, it's it's kind of like its own you know, college of the page is its own you know entity from what I understand. But there's all these different organizations running these things, whereas you know Ivy Tech, it, you know, it's like Kevin was just saying, uh, you know, they all. In a react, they they do things slightly different from campus to campus, but they're not competing with each other. Well, if I live in yep. two topless or someplace and want to go to a junior college, is there one for me, or what do I do? But one here in it, right now, okay. I think you would go to like uh, Harold Washington or one of the um, city colleges. Well, city it, colleges. If, what if I live in the middle of the state somewhere? If you live in the middle of the state somewhere, there's probably a school that you can find. But it would not be, uh, you know, somewhat nearby, but it would not be as good as, you know, Ivy Tech would be at the same level. And that's, that's just organization? What is that? I mean, I know... Uh, it is organization. Well, it's government. It starts It starts at government. Um, and it's, it's, it's like Kevin just said, that, you know, some things do get dictated out of Indianapolis that creates a bit more red tape around stuff. But it also assures that things are being done well at all the different campuses. Well, I know even in uh, my, uh, I think he's still teaching. He's getting up there. But a lawyer buddy of mine from here, Jim Moylan, uh, he's been on the show mm-hmm. years ago. I don't know if you know Jim, but he he uh, moved out to Steamboat Springs and he teaches. There's a there's a junior college there that he's on, and uh, it's like Hollywood Squares. He this is years ago. He was on it. He was going to teach like uh, like. What he went to make a legal aid, legal clerk. He would he would teach those kind of basic courses, and he could teach mm-hmm. full law because he's real bright guy. But he would, he would be on in this is ten years ago. He'd be on in five different. He was on in uh, I forget the name of. I've driven through these towns. I forget the names. Been so long, but he was on in every one of the towns. And if a student was in there, had an ask, ask a question, his face would come on, and all the other places just like you're in the same class. And he, they were organized out there. You know, I mean, there were. They could take these kind of classes, and uh, mm-hmm. um, I don't know that anybody's doing that. I mean, there might be. I just don't know. I don't, I don't know that Illinois has got this going like that, or, or this. Stuff. No, 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 no. Whereas, um, you know, if you're if you go to school in Bloomington and you live in Indianapolis, um, you know, it is it is possible for you to take a class or two that can transfer back while you're home for the summer. But I. It's just that it it starts at at the top-end governance, and it just has to do with um, a lot less governance at the top-end and a lot less fragmentation at the top-end than you have in Illinois. And this is is not just at the college level. This is the one that I'm using this as a segue to get on my soapbox about something that drives me absolutely nuts. you know, I was I was elected to the school board in Hinsdale, Clarendon Hills about um, 10, 15 years ago and spent four years on the school board. Illinois, or, Illinois is one of very few states, I want to say two or three states, 
that has completely different districts for the high school versus the K through 8. So my property taxes out here pay for two different superintendents of schools when you quite easily could reorganize everything, have it K through 12, and have one superintendent. And when you look at the biggest, you know, the you go over to the pension system and you look at who's getting, you know, the biggest monthly checks out of the pension system, it's a lot of retired superintendents. Oh, yeah, well. And beyond that, then, and just the, the uniformity and everything, the K through 8 uh, that, that I was on the board with, um, we used Apple computers, and then when we sent them off to the high school, they used Microsoft computers. They had completely, I'm not going to say completely relearned stuff, but there, there was a, a big disconnect there in the, the two curriculums. See, when I went to school, you didn't have to worry about that stuff. I know you didn't have to worry about that. You just had to make sure that you could find a number two pencil at the uh, Kmart. Yeah, but when, when I got to... It had to be uh, number two. Well, when I got to... Uh, <laughs> Grad school, you could bring a calculator, but uh, I never, I never got one of the fancy ones. So I'd have to sit near an outlet so I could plug it in. <laughs> Just saying, because if you were yeah. one of the guys that had the Texas Instruments, you were, you were cool. That thing cost a fortune back then. Remember? It's still not cheap. It's still like a, but I've, I've had to buy a couple of those for uh, for my uh, my daughters, and I have a backup one. Uh, I found one at the end of class when I was at one of the previous schools that I taught at. I don't even want to implicate the school. And you know how they had cool plastic cases? Someone had written a bunch of notes for the exam inside the plastic case. <laughs> God. And so I came in the next class and I said, I found this. Uh, there was some notes in it and stuff. Did anybody want to claim it? And I still have it. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> well, that's, that's my kid's backup TI. That's a that's a sneaky, a sneaky move. Oh, you don't want to mess with me. I, I've got a great criminal mind. God, why? Well, but I use it for good. I promise. Well, because I, I, last week I was kind of on a rant about uh, you know the, the city and all the people that are you know and the elves living there and, and and all the homeless people and all this kind of stuff. And I at some point and I you know this is that obviously I, I love everybody's rights and so forth, but. Uh, at some point, if if you have the organization, which I don't think we have, you would just okay. You're going to stop here, the, the motorman. Everybody's off the train. We're going to process everybody. Okay, who are you? Do you have a home? Not have a home? Do you have a high school education? Do you want a job? Uh, do you want a shower? I mean, somewhere we have to go down the list and, and get very individual with people and say. Do you, if we still had the, the Tinley Mental Health Facility for whatever that you call mental health facility, you know, do, you, do you need to be there? I mean, are you are you whacked out? Are you drugged out? What what are you? How can we help if you want to do better? Mm-hmm. If it's a drug problem, we have a place we can help that out. The object is to get somebody a job in, in 30, 60, 90 days, whatever you can. But you, Or young people, you know, that are running around with guns. What are we doing are we going to get you a job working in the forest preserves? You're not going to be staying. Do you have a home? Do you stay with a gangbanger? Uh, you know, do you want to go in the army? Do you want to go into a, a, a civilian sort of corps of some kind where you'll learn how to do forestry? But let me tell you, an option is not running around at two thirty in the morning with a gun in your pocket or somebody else. An option, an option is one of the options is not sleeping on the L. 
we'll get we got, here's a list of five things we can do that one of them isn't sleep but I, and, and and somehow I think we have to get to that Russell not, not in, in in a in a humane kindly way so we are looking to improve people's how how much of it is drugs is it bad drugs I mean where did where did this all come from I mean we I don't think we're anywhere near organized to solve any of the problems we seem to have do you I mean I maybe we don't oh gosh no. But how, and and the issue is uh, government often doesn't make things any better. Well, I also you know, when they try to the government just doesn't seem to be the solution to to every single problem. And um, I mean, if we if if we walked up to in the loop and talked to you know ten different ten different people that looked like they were down on the walk. Uh, you, I think you would have ten very unique circumstances. Yes, absolutely. That's my. That's what I'm trying to point. I'm trying to make. Yeah, and, uh, and, and so there's no blanket, you know, solution for any of them. Well, but you got to. You start starts with some some semblance of communication. Because yeah. you you can't get into the. Okay, I, I lost my job. I couldn't pay my rent. Here I am. Oh, by the way, the drugs are are easy and cheap here. Uh, mm-hmm. So all of a sudden now it's six months in and I. I couldn't go to work for eight hours tomorrow. My my life depended on it. Well, what has to happen to get somebody back to that? Is it two hours a day, three hours a day? Can we do something? With, I mean, what is? Do they need a, a, a clean place to sleep for a while? But, I mean, I, I don't. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not. This is not an area that I'm good at. But I do know. Oh, that, but I do know yeah. that there are people that are. And, uh, and I just you get to the point, Russell. I honestly believe that if you have a, this goes back to when I was a kid. And, Every, everybody had was down on their luck about something. Every family had a problem. Oh yeah. I mean, there was always. But if if you have, you know, three out of a thousand people that are just goofballs, male, female, whatever, they're, they're in jail or this. They have, society can somehow deal with that. Or if it's if it's one family or two families where the father gets killed at work or something, and all of a sudden there's no breadwinner, and you have to go on some kind of government program or whatever it. We can you can sort of deal with that when it gets to the point where you know sixty percent of the neighborhood is is fatherless and then you're and and the, and the mother basically marries the state when they have kids. I mean that's the new provider. I don't I don't know how mm-hmm. that goes long term. I mean, but I, but these these are solutions that people have to sit down and say, let's try this. And after a few months, if it's not working, we'll do it. But but I don't really see any effort here. Do you? I mean I don't. Uh, I mean Carol. Uh, uh, Karen was on talking earlier in the week. I've heard her interview about how the jobs are the key and, and the coordination and how much time they spent trying to coordinate high school equivalency with these kids. And 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 mm-hmm. if somebody wants a job, you try and get high school equivalency. You try and get them in a junior college. And oh, by the way, you try and get them a job. And, and if they're going to school and they do better, then they they get a better job. It is the coordination from ground level is so difficult and yet so necessary. And it seems mm-hmm. like it seems like the Indiana area has it going a little better than we do. Seems. Oh, I think I, I, it, it appears so to me as well. You know, you can I, I drive up and down the state a lot because I just don't do things at the. You know, I've, I've visited about half the IU campus. I've only been there a year, uh, but there there are Ivy Techs everywhere, and you know, Ivy well, Techs will we get you the. You know, they'll get to the. I never really heard of them until um, I knew Kevin got there, but um, I 
you know, didn't really know a whole lot about them. And over the past year, what I've learned about them is nothing short of impressive. And what, what does a campus look like? What does a regular, does it look like a Richard uh, Dale? Or? I, I, I talked to a couple of students that had transferred into IU one night. Um, that uh, yeah, that had transferred into IUPUI actually one night. I just met them out and was kind of talking to them for a while. And they had both started at an Ivy Tech that was in an old junior high school. They had just taken over the facility because whatever community they were in did not need that facility anymore. So it can vary. It, it, the facilities can vary from place to place. Um, but, you know, they've got a pretty nice uniform goal, which is to get you set up where you can become, um, you know, um, you can generate a useful income for yourself for the, you know, the rest of your career. Well, and do it in a way that, you know, that, that benefits the surrounding area as well. Well, I've been a long been a proponent that some of these high schools in Chicago have to open at night for the parents. You can't get anywhere with the kids if the parents don't know anything. Yeah, and that um, I, 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 you know, I probably should have just been an educator instead of a finance person because it, it, I, I volunteered at, at an Inglewood school on Saturday mornings for a few years. So before that, I actually, but in almost the exact same situation in Atlanta. Um, so I've, I've seen firsthand, and one of the issues um, you talk about a, a lack of parent involvement, and that's that's part of the problem with these kids. You know. You, you, without really fully understanding what's going on, um, a lot of parents don't have the skills to help their kids with school. And they're, they're honestly um, embarrassed about it. Well, so, so they, I've lost so, They just kind of, if you know, I had, the kid says, I need help with this. They, uh, you know, they, they, they can't. And it, it just leads to a bad spiral. So what you said, I like what you said that before, where you know, open the high schools at night to, you know, help out some of the parents. I mean, maybe it, you know, I've tutored kids from Cabrini Green. I tutored kids in Inglewood. Um, I did the Cabrini Green kids. I, I tutored at night downtown in in Chicago. Um, probably should do the same thing with parents so they can, you know. We learn a lot of things right along with the kids, but also help the kids and maybe show how important the, the schoolwork part is. I, I'm just sitting here thinking of what if I had a kid or a grandkid that needed help with his calculus. I don't think I could help him anymore, Russell. Well, that's what the YouTubes are for. Yeah, like, I don't think. For, I actually was was pretty good at it freshman year in college. God, that was a while ago. <laughs> I don't think I ever. Yeah, you, you, you know what Khan Academy is, right? No, what is that? Okay, Khan Academy is a guy that that um, started doing helpful help videos. I think maybe teaching his niece or nephew calculus, helping him with that stuff, and then just started putting the videos online. And now, if you go to Khan Academy. You can get tutorial videos on almost anything. Well, um, Monday this week was my oldest first day off between junior year and senior year. And I said, well, what are you going to do? Said, well, I'm going to watch some Khan Academy videos on statistics. I'm taking that next school year. Wow. Well, actually, I have kid, a question man. for you, Russell. So, I mean, I have two, I have two little sisters that go to uh, school in Carroll Stream, one's in middle school, one's in high school. Oh. 
And um, so oftentimes, I mean, my, I mean, think my, their mother's a teacher and my father's a school coordinator. So they're, they're pretty smart, but sometimes they come to me with things and I try to teach them the things that I learned the way I learned it. But the methods for teaching, say, mathematics or whatever, they want to, they, they always say, yeah, but my teacher does it this way. They want us to show the work this way. And I'm like, but what's the difference if the outcome's the same? So then there's a, then you also have to acclimate then to say you learn how to do say that say that calculus or that pre-calc from from, from that YouTube channel you're talking about but the, mm-hmm. the but the work isn't being performed the way the teacher taught you so the students are having issues with that as well well they're they're Oh yeah and and parents because Yeah. Uh, they they've got I forgot what they call them. I I want to say they call it the Chicago math cuz it's something that came out of University of Chicago. But it's just a different methodology behind doing some of the basic algebra and calculus. Yeah, it's are. crazy. Like, like, even, like even just like, like even just like adding, like you know, thirteen, yeah. like thirteen no, plus seven is twenty. It, it, they they make you go through all these it. steps. You can't just write down what the what the what the number is anymore. You have to show quote unquote show your work to add these two numbers. But it's like, but it's just this though, and so yeah. the, the kids are kind of being taught this kind of runaround method of especially with math. Uh, how to do things, and then they go to ask you for help, and then you're like, yeah, but the answer is, it's simply this. You don't have to do all this work. You can just know what the number is, but that's not okay anymore. So then there's also that kind of conflict where how, say you say you are a parent or a grandparent or whatever, a sibling like me, and you know how to do the work, but it's not being, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, done the way the teacher wants. <laughs> they don't want people taking shortcuts like you. It's not shortcuts. You just know what that. You just it's know not what a it shortcut. is. It's just they, 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 they really is, and I, I, they, the public school out here, and I ended up having to send my kids to private school because of some things that happened with me on the board of education. Yeah. The teachers were so. I was the negotiator for a contract, and then the teachers treated my kids like crap, so mm. I had to end up sending them to a private school. They took it out of my kids. That's um, why it's swelling. Right. I mean, they really yeah. do, though, because I taught at a charter school, and, like, unfortunately, uh-huh. they didn't have, like, a, you know, funding for, like, you know, any kind of counseling, and a lot of the students were Hispanic, like me, with broken homes, like I had, so a lot mm-hmm. of them would come talk to me about things, but, you know, I'm not a licensed counselor, but if they needed some advice, or they wanted some input, or if they wanted to vent, I would listen, and then I would get in trouble, and I'm like, but what, yeah. I'm like, but what are they supposed to do, though? They don't have anybody else, and, like, no one, yeah. like, no one, like, none of their teachers look like them. You know, most of the teachers were white, and then there was this yeah. one black girl with dreads, and then me. So then, like these kids didn't really have anyone that they could relate to or talk to, and then you're wondering why these kids aren't learning. <laughs> yeah, so it's a yeah, that's cycle. Like, there's, there's all kinds of disconnects that work their way into the, the classroom. Yeah, yeah, but it's kind of a. I mean, I, but I, I think that going forward, I think people improving themselves and getting a better job, I and mean, a lot of. You know, this weekend, uh, well, first of all, I'm, I'm really ticked that we. I looked at this mass shootings in the around the country this oh weekend. Oh my god! You know the weird part is we didn't make the cut. <laughs> Shut up! You're the worst. <laughs> we You're the worst. <laughs> but, well, you know why we on last weekend we had a five, a four, and two threes. Now this weekend we did, we, all, we only had threes. We had a bunch of threes where three people got shot at the same time. Oh my god! And then and, and the cut on this thing was four. So the one weekend they pick that they actually have everybody shooting everybody else around the rest of the country is uh, we, we don't make the cut, which I'm thinking, hey, we should at least 
be out there. Oh my god! Yeah, well, the, the <laughs> thing the thing in Philadelphia was like uh, every weekend type thing here. Yeah, about a, about half not half of them, but a, few, a bunch of them were graduation parties. Oh god! What the hell? In these small towns, I don't. I you know I, I get this. A lot of what's happening, and I'm sure is all not going to make a correlation to the shootings. Of, there just seems to be an awful lot of people in their 20s and 30s and in, in their teens that don't seem to have anything to do, Russell. I mean, I, you got to have something to do. I mean, it, hell, I, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I love to get up in the morning and come do the show, and I, and I like wrestling with the market with, with people's monies and protecting them and trying to make them a few bucks along the way. I, mean, I was just I mean, talking to Russell about this when he called in. I was talking about how busy I am, and then he's like, well, it's good to be busy. I'm like, yeah, it's nice to be needed. Like, I'm exhausted. Like, I'm here. Yeah. And then I work. I work at a real estate company, and then my boss's practice is being shut down. So I'm kind of manning it while he's starting a new job elsewhere. So I'm training him there as well. And then I'm also in a band. So like, am I tired? Yes, but am I? I feel fulfilled every week. You know, like it's nice to be needed. And I feel like I feel like the the notion of being someone who does something with their time and their life is not as much of a thing. Especially coming out of the pandemic, people's motivation yeah. to just like live. Yeah period is like is dying it's kind of nuts it's sad well <laughs> you know i i mean i know that the uh people used to use athletic activity as a i mean the, the pressures that were on people i mean back when you lived in a house that was you know for eight people in a, in a house that was you know the size of my apartment my apartment isn't isn't big enough for me if you ask me or all my crap <laughs> uh the uh I mean, and, and you're, you're working all day, and you've got six people at home. There's no real room for you. The the peop, that's why people played softball five nights a week. It's probably why you bowled, mm-hmm. why, why you did something, why you know you you went and took the kids fishing on a weekend. You did, it's why you did those things. I mean, you had to keep active. You had you had a you have to have an outlet for yourself. And I, and I just get the, the idea that a lot of these people they're, they're not doing much, and then their their outlet is listening to other people that hate people on these on the. And when one of these days you walk out, I mean, how do you, how do you go shoot up a graduation party? I mean, what what is wrong with you? I mean, I, I know I don't even. I mean, I can't even. It's so far away, Russell, from any any of us, and yet and yet yeah. somehow we got to we got to find a way to connect, or at least I won't say connect. You got to what did uh, and the one uh, the one wacky kid on the on the uh, uh, Star Trek, the first generation, and and he and he and he said to Spock, he, and he starts he, he had all these political views and everything. And he and he said to Spack, "Well, well, you you agree with me, don't you?" And Spack goes, "I said I understood. I didn't say I agreed." <laughs> but, right. That's but, a difference. <laughs> but I, but we have. To, I think we have to at least understand what's going down here. Is it is it some combination of inactivity, lack of self worth, uh, whatever? I mean, it, 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 no outlet. Is it? I mean, I I in my worst day, you know, at Allied or Pullman or someplace. If I go play basketball at night or a softball game, I felt good at ten o'clock. You know, it just no matter how bad your day was, you go and play, have a decent ball game, get a couple of hits, and you feel okay. I mean, that that was me. A lot of other people do other stuff, right? But somehow we we have to kind of understand what's going on here. I, I think economically, it's not just. I mean, we, we've got cities going down here. I mean, the amount of money that's going to be lost in Chicago. I don't know if you listened to Mr. Flanagan the other day. He went through some of the numbers for these downtown buildings. And the city is foolish enough to, to keep sending out tax bills like if nothing happened, Russell. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, the one seventy five is in foreclosure. It's going to go to a scavenger sale, and they're lobbing them full 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 bore bills. I think. I mean, do, do we have any common sense? Because after the break, I want to get to you about what what should be the the inflation fighting plan here. And I I'm, I'm having trouble figuring out what I would even do. Whether I would just go back to quote normal growth and money supply and things, and just just let it kind of die out without any effort to to make things even again, and just hope that people's incomes pick up and match it, or or do I have to do I have to have negative supply growth and I have to drive these prices back down because I know people will never get enough money to, to match it, but now that's going to cause a recession. Which once you start one of those, you never know where those come out. I mean, if, we got a whole half hour to talk about that because. I honestly don't know what the solution is here. That's why I've been ragging for 10 years is to don't let the problem happen because the solutions are really hard. I mean, am I wrong there or not? You're not wrong, and the solution's not going to be, uh, not going to be pleasant. No, I mean, it, but I mean, I, I think, well. <laughs> so it's after the break to hear how your whole world is going to be topsy-turvy the next couple of years. Uh, SP futures right. down 17, NASDAQ is down 50. <laughs> Come back, Russell being a professor is going to solve this for us because I'm at a loss. We'll be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading options ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708 349 
708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Lower Mopex, Dr. Jackson, I'm Tom Howell, Eliani on the board, SP Futures, down 24 now. We broke into the positive, and then we've had headed back south. Just as I said, it looks like we might be positive here. Oops. As their futures down 75, now futures down 137. Over in Europe, uh, we were up over in Europe, but now we, now, now we are not. DAX is down 87.6%. FTSE down 37. We're down a little bit more than we were, is what I'm saying. FTSE down 37.5. Kick around down 63. That's a full 1%. So, they're kind of a uh, ECB decision is uh, t- uh, I think today or tomorrow. The inflation data is uh, Friday, so that's what we're kind of looking at. Um, for years and years, that was a nothing number. Now it's back being the big one after it was 40 years ago. Nikkei up 290. That's a full one percent. Shanghai up 22.7 percent. Hang Seng up 42.2 percent. As this Alibaba is up. Uh, 10%. Russell's gonna tell us whether Jack Myers is, is he in jail, out of jail, wherever the hell he is. Um, US yesterday, Dow Jones up 264, S&P up 39, NASDAQ up 113, so strong across the board yesterday. Uh, bonds up 6 basis points, 3.03, it's the highest we've seen, uh, well, in really quite a while. Uh, Bund up 7 to 1.36, so they're, they're climbing right with us. Japan, however, 0.25 unchanged, it's right where they got them stuck. Oil up a dollar seven one twenty forty eight, went up a dollar five one twenty one sixty two. Natural gas up four cents nine thirty three. Arbub up a penny to four seventeen. We've got gold up down two ten. I was up a little bit earlier. Eighteen fifty silver down twenty seven cents twenty one ninety. Copper down a penny four twenty two. We've got Bitcoin down five thirty nine at thirty thousand two sixty. It's been within a couple thousand points at thirty thousand there for a real long time. Uh, locked in a range. Eliani, what do you have for us? Traffic weather sports looks nice out. Yeah, not too shabby. Thanks so much, Chief. Good morning, everyone. Currently 7.35 a.m. on June 8th. Let's talk baseball. Diamondbacks lost to the Reds last night, 14-8 to with a chance for a comeback tonight at 5.40. Cubs lost to the Orioles last night, 9-3, to with a rematch today at 6.05. And the White Sox beat the Dodgers last night, 4-0, with another game tonight in Chicago at 7.10. Looking at weather in Chicago this morning, it's uh, mostly cloudy, a little bit of sunshine, 65 uh, with a high of 68, low of 52 with scattered showers throughout the day starting at about 2 p.m. And Phoenix currently 83, sunny with a high of 109 and a low of 80. Looking at traffic in Chicago this morning, we have quite a bit to get through, so let's do that. We have traffic eastbound on 290 between Route 20 all the way to downtown, approaching the 290-I-94 construction intersect. We have traffic westbound on 290 between Independence and 17th. Traffic northbound on 294, sorry, intermittent traffic northbound on 294 between Route 50 and the 55 North Ramp and between Roosevelt East and Irving Park Road. We have traffic eastbound on I-90 between Lee Street and Lawrence and westbound between Lawrence and Cumberland. We have traffic eastbound on 94 between Tui and Canalport and westbound between East 138th and West Dempster. Traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 and the South Lakeshore Drive Ramp. We have traffic northbound on 57 between West 119th and the 94 East Ramp. Traffic northbound on Lakeshore between East Oakwood Boulevard and North Michigan Avenue. And finally, traffic southbound on Lakeshore between East Grand and East McFetteridge. Back to you, Chief. God, I'll turn back if I were you. <laughs> um, I have a uh, an, an 
Regarding the inflation stuff, uh, Russell, we got to talk about that a little bit because the fighting, as I was talking to Kevin, how I would go about, first thing I said was if, I, if it was my job to fight it, I want you and, and Hal and the rest of the guys in the room with me because I honestly don't know. The more I dig into the CPI, the more I dig into individual stuff like the infant formula and how essentially the government created a four-company cartel in 1989. I, I, how they did that, that would be the dumbest piece. Well, it says a lot. One of the dumber pieces of legislation I've ever come across. But let's not go into that because I've talked about it sort of all week unless you have a comment on it. But one of the guys I work with over at the NFO where we get we do some uh, – Subcontract for protected program for protected more, uh, portfolios. Um, this young kid, he's from uh, New York, and uh, and it, we we can't be different, more different in our backgrounds. Russell, a, a he's young, Jewish kid from New York, uh, loves to play golf. That part we we're, we're, we both like. But I've learned so much from the kid, and and it's like because uh, he just had a, a different different walks of life. Well, yesterday he, he tells me, he's real bright, went to good schools. Yesterday he tells me when he, where we started talking about the inflation just for a little bit, and he goes, you know, Chief, the, uh, I, when I first got out of school, and it was, wasn't that long ago, maybe it was after that, and he, he goes, I was selling this hospice insurance. And he goes, the, 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 the Cadillac package was a uh, hundred grand. He goes, now it's like f- maybe six years later, it's four hundred grand. I mean, how, how, we, I look at the CPI and I, I criticize it, but I also wouldn't want to be in charge of doing it either. I mean, uh, I mean, I how do you how do you even keep track of this? This I mean, I, I look I look at the hospitalization for twenty years and I say, look, that had to be on purpose that they lied to us. I mean, clearly, I mean they're out of their mind where they say that the hospitalization six percent of your basket when it's twenty percent of the economy. And now the last year I look at it and I say, okay, wait a minute, Kay Schindler is up 21%, uh, mortgage rates are up 40, and you idiots have, uh, you know, a 4.8% rise in home ownership costs. Well, come on, that's not even a... So the number everybody on TV, all the talking heads are drooling about Friday, to me is, is a bunch of crap, the number. Now on a relative basis, but I don't know... How many shots do we have like this? Like hospice insurance is like quadrupled in five years, and or cars? Or, cars are double what they were three years ago. I mean, who's kidding who if you want to buy one? I know some lady just paid sixty-seven grand for an SUV. You can't tell me that five years ago you couldn't have bought that thing for thirty, thirty, thirty-two. I mean, so we've essentially none of this is anywhere near close to being in this this CPI, and yet I don't I don't know how you a get the thing back to where it means something. Or even worse, if you and I were trying to make policy off it, how the hell would we even know where we are with with these numbers so bad? And then what do we do about it? Do we do we do we yank the money supply growth to like negative four percent to try and retrace all these numbers and throw us in the biggest recession ever? Or do we do we just settle down to a a three percent growth rate and just say over the next ten years we're just going to see hopefully people's incomes will rise to meet it? Or I, don't, I have no idea where to start here. Do you? The second part, what you just said, if you if you had given me an A or B question, I would I would say B is probably the one that is closer to what I would try to do if I had to you know if I had to make policy to try to make things uh, more palatable for everybody. So I I think you know you're not going to be able to bring prices back down. 
I mean, once they've gone up to that level, that's where they're going to be. Well, you could if you, know, you if you just drain you the could system. Try. You, can, you can try, but that what ends up happening there is you, you end up uh, pushing prices back down, and that hurt business, hurts businesses, and that means businesses can't pay as many people, and so you're bringing the prices down to a level that you know people that are still working can still afford, but. You know, when they look at their absolute dollar amount, and, you know, I'm out of work for a couple of months, so I made a lot less money last year because of uh, bringing the prices down. I think the other way to do it, and the one that's, uh, that's less painful, is you, you try to make the, the salaries catch up with the, uh, you know, with the cost of things, with the commodity cost of it, you know, the, the, the goods part as opposed to the salary part. And natural forces should make that happen. Well, do you? I mean, that should be, that should be happening right now. There's almost two job openings for everybody that's out of work right now. So I, I think salaries should naturally be going up, and that's going to put that that's going to make inflation continue to go up. But if the first you know if the first leg of inflation was good, you know the cost of all the stuff we got to buy going up, and then the second leg of it really is associated with uh, the cost of labor. You know, for the average person. They're going to end up okay, or, or probably better, you know, better off in the long run than if you just try to force prices lower, and you know, people's livelihoods get hit over that one. Um, yeah, I would have trouble taking choice A myself, except I, we, I we've we've let this go so bizarre. We've pushed so much money in the system. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing I look at, and I, and this is a. Uh, you don't ever want to be right when you say something like this. I wasn't the guy who was right. Well, I ended up being right because I read this article. I, uh, 2007, I have it here someplace, and it was one of the best written articles I've ever come across. The guy talked about housing prices. And this is when we... we uh, the, the median house, I think back in 2007-8, got to like 235, right? I think. Mm-hmm. If I, I mean, I'm pretty pretty good on the memory. And the uh, so the, the man did a study, and he said, "Okay, at two thirty-five, eighty-five percent of the population can't afford the median house." Mm-hmm. He goes, "That's that's just a problem. It's a big problem." And in his, in his in his methodology for doing that, which I think even you as a professor probably would think is fairly okay, he said, "Okay, if, if somebody gave you the twenty uh, percent down payment, so so say forty some grand." You're going to finance, you know, 195 to then mortgage rates, which were about 6%. You need, with the insurance and the taxes and stuff, you need X. You need $85,000 to afford this place. That's what your income needs to, needs to be. Then he went through an entire level of society and he said, okay, who makes 85 grand? Well, like nobody. I mean, at the time, when, mm-hmm. I, say, when I say nobody, I said the average per- person in the, in the food service business is making 20. The average person in, uh, in the cubicles downtown, just being, you know, whatever people do, or assistance of something or something, we're making like 45. And this is 2008. We're not talking about today. And, uh, and in, in hospitals, unless you're a doctor, even if you got a really good job, you're making 65, 70. So, you know, 70 wasn't a bad number back in 2008. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he said, but it's not enough to afford these homes. At some point, we got a big problem. 
and and guess what we did so right now the average house is me the median is 395 or or thereabouts i've had as high as 400 mortgage rates are again pushing six percent so now if somebody gave you the 80 grand you're now financing 320 so i have to believe that based on the 190 to 320 you now need to make 150 160 per year uh you know it's combined income uh to afford that house well i gotta believe that you're pushing the top 10 percent of society top 10 top 12 that are making 150 grand a year so what in a lot of ways i think we're way worse off so yes i agree with you on i'd rather just make things flat for a while i think somehow though these housing prices have to it's going to be a real long time before the, the the every man grows in to be able to afford a four hundred thousand dollar house i mean it's, it's going to be a real long time if you don't do oh, yeah, well, those no, no, none of these solutions are good solutions you know, it, it, we're, we've, we've got to figure out the best solution uh, or the best choice among a bunch of bad choices because there's no good way to get out of the situation that, that, we've, that we've ended up in right now. Yeah, it's the... Uh... And, and, a part, and a part of me um, feels like the government should just do a lot less. Well, they should do a lot less of the bad and, stuff. Yeah, well, I'm just letting market forces work themselves out. Yeah, but when you go from industry to industry, I had this discussion last night with one of my attorney buddies, and I said one of the oddest things about talking to people on both sides of the aisle, you know, be it the, you're not, when you're somewhat in the middle, but the, uh, mm-hmm. maybe the progressive or the, or, you know, the, the Trumper or somebody says, just let, you know, capitalism, let business. And then you see something like this infant formula thing. Russell, that's not business, that's fascism. Four, four companies. Yeah, I, I I don't know how we got to it being such a concentrated industry, um, but you know, government had to government either had to allow that to happen, or you know, lobbyists got something flipped into a bill. I mean, I severely doubt that there was a single bill that. Said, well, yeah, yeah, it was actually. Um, we're, 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 it, yeah, it was. It wasn't part. It wasn't part of another bill. It was the. Something, something, women, infants, and children. That's why it's the W, called the WIC. It's a big, long name. The bill was in 1989. Uh, oh, my goodness. F- f- over 50% of the infant formula is bought by the government for people who allegedly mm-hmm. can't afford it. And what they did is when they send the money to the state, every state can only have one supplier. So, like, Abbott would be the supplier for, say, Illinois. But Mead, mm-hmm. Mead somebody, somebody is the supplier for Indiana. And if, if you if you are the supplier for the state, your distribution system in the state then is so good that you uh, Abbott lost the one in California. They went from ninety percent supplier in California to five percent in two years once they lost the state contract. Mm-hmm. So there's there's essentially four of these that are are supposedly bidding. Really, I mean, how tough are they bidding when they know? You know, I mean, so not only that, it appears that when the plant went down for Abbott, the other people weren't even incented to. Ramp up. They they just raise the prices, <laughs> but I mean, how, it, it is essentially a state-sponsored cartel system. Why would you only? Why would you decide to name only one supplier in every state? What, what, what's the purpose of that? Unless you got a great lobbyist. Uh, it's a, a great lobbyist. That's the answer to that one. 
So I mean, how many? I guess my question is, how many more of those are out there? You know, uh, little little fiats that people seem to have. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, I need to, you need to shake all that stuff out of the system. But there's got to be some reason why the supply chain. Actually, Russell, actually, I'm on with you, and I want to be critiqued. There's got to be a million reasons why we aren't reacting fast enough to some of these shortages. Now, actually, I got a good one for you. If you, if you want to uh, have a nice lecture, because I know you, you know more about this than me, go to, uh, I can send it to you. Uh, I think Baker Hughes comes out with it, and then the government picks it up. It's the amount of oil rigs that are... Oh, the, the rig count, yeah. It goes back to 1973. Yeah. No, we uh, you, you trade all service stocks totally based off that number. Well, what I'm, what I'm saying is yeah. we, when you have a, a, you know, a, a short-term inelastic, long-term somewhat elastic supply like oil is, I mean, you, you can see it now that we went from, where was that, where do we top out in 19? We were like 1,100 rigs. We got down to 225, uh, 255. And now we're, we're ranching, you know, we're ratcheting it up like twenty or thirty a month, which is about as fast as we can do if you look back in history. This is about the fifth mm-hmm. time, though, since '73 we've had this boom and bust cycle. But uh, but in, the, in that situation, I mean, I can understand it. it takes a long time to build one of these things and get it going. But I mean, aren't you kind of surprised that, that people seem reluctant? I don't know if they can't get the financing. They they can't get the, the property. Sure, seems to be around. Uh, why 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 is there still a you know a shortage of like buttons or something? Are people just so concerned about this China thing that? And right now, there's all kinds of people that are that are absolutely lobbying to just open China right back up and get back to the way things were. Now, if you and I decide we want to build a factory for something, be it infant milk, be whatever it is, the last thing we want is for somebody to totally change the import export policy, like. The day we open, I mean, do you think how much do you think government policy is, or lack thereof, is just impeding people's willingness to do what we've always done as Americans? You see a need, you fill it. Oh, I, I think it's completely screwed that up. There was a there, there was a guy down in Texas whose firm used to make the uh, the you know the the mask that we all needed for the past couple of years. And he had shifted over, shifted over to manufacturing something else because uh, his cost of production was, you know, he couldn't compete with China. And a reporter asked him, he said, well, why don't you, you know, why don't you uh, fill this need right now and wrap back up? He said, well, it's going to cost so much for me to uh, switch back over to making these masks. Said, and, you know, in a few months, China will catch back up, and I'll have to shut back down. So why should I go through all of that effort for you know this short-term issue right now? I think there's, there's a lot of that. I think there's a lot of um, if you're uncertain, if, if you're not certain that the rules are going, yeah, or you don't have certainty that the rules are going to hold up the way they are right now, or that um, you know you're going to get punished in the long run for, for ramping something back up, you're not going to do it. And it probably takes one time of government action completely screwing you over for you to have that in the back of your mind all the time. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I'm sure there are plenty of industries that, you know, I, I'm not I'm not going to do that. If they come in and change the rules tomorrow... Well, my, I had a long conversation. My nephew says my, my truck needed to go in the shop. He was nice enough to drive me home through the traffic. 
nice kid, and he he works for one of these uh, machine tool operators, right? And uh, very young age, he learned how to do the computing. The you know the ones where you you just throw a piece of metal in there and everything comes out what you want it to be. If you if you know how to yeah. compute it, well, I wouldn't. But but he, he can do that, and he actually's trained people and those kinds of things, and he and he's doing pretty well. And uh, but now his new place where he's been a couple of years now, though, unfortunately, the president is is real sick. And, uh, you know, hopefully he makes it, but, you know, it's up in the air. But so my nephews had to do more going out to see the customer and everything like that. And, he, and he's doing pretty good with it. I'm pretty proud of him. And it, but I had a long conversation with him about it. He says, you know, I mean, I, I sort of know this from my, my Pullman experience and so forth. To, to ramp up anything is a big friggin' deal. I mean, if, yeah. I mean, if you're doing six widgets a day or six widgets an hour and all of a sudden, hey, can you do 18... The answer is, yeah, but right, and and they do. Uh, these guys will do stuff that you know you don't even think of. He said, well, you know, if if you're if you're doing six an hour, people just pick the thing up and 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 package it. He said, but if you're doing eighteen an hour, you need some kind of conveyor belt. You need some way where it maybe packages automatically. That that's like a six month build, you know. For to mm-hmm. have, I mean, it has nothing to do with the product. It has to do with okay, how do I go from you know, 20, 20 donuts an hour to a hundred. Well, I can do it, but now all of a sudden, this oven's not big enough. This has to happen. Uh, it's not physically possible for people to carry it between the two. I need a conveyor belt. It needs to go up and over something. It, it's 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 a big deal, and most people just say, "Well, what's the problem?" Well, there is a problem. I mean, I mean there's always the talkers and the doers, right? <laughs> so, the, but he goes, you know, we've got so many of these guys that are looking to expand and fill uh, quote supply chain void. But in the back of their mind was. The reason why we didn't do this ten years ago is because it looked good, and all of a sudden it wasn't. I mean, everybody's got that thought in their mind. I mean, and it, it, it really is. And then financing—I don't. I, I'll bet every every big firm can go out and get crap at two percent, or used to be able to. But these guys, what do you what do you think? Even a really good firm with a relationship at a, you know, Russell's Regional Bank. What do you think happens if that guy wants to borrow eight hundred grand for new compares and new kinds of this for? For future orders, even if he's never missed a payment on any financing he's done, I bet the dude is because of Barney Frank and those other guys. I bet he's signing a personal guarantee on his house. I bet he's paying seven, eight percent. I'm just, I'm just guessing. Do you think I'm wrong? Uh, I, I think finding, uh, getting a loan to do anything that involves any risk right now would be darn, darn near impossible. Yeah. So how, how exactly? Yeah, I, whoever your president, he, Biden, Trump, whoever the hell it would be. You know, uh, Abbott and Costello. I mean, you get out and you, and you lob these platitudes out there, but I don't think, I don't, I think it's very hard for somebody to pile in and, and actually do some of this right now. I think it's harder than it's ever been in a lot of ways, mentally and procedurally. Oh yeah, and, and you can't totally blame the government for all that uncertainty. Uh, well, you know, the, it, it, we, we got. I, do, <laughs> do you really want to risk starting up a new restaurant in town or something like that when you're hearing grumblings about something called monkeypox? Now, I don't think monkeypox is going to be the same thing that COVID was, but when you know the COVID shutdown thing is so fresh in your mind still, it makes it very, very difficult you know, to, to want to take risk in another area. Well, you see, I'm not worried about that because yeah. I'm old enough to have been vaccinated. 
Well, you? I'm not worried. I mean, I'm not worried. I'm talking about from a business standpoint. Yeah. Uh, would you really want to start something up in, you know, with all the uncertainty that you see around you in the world right now? Uh, it would be, be tough. If it was your money, it would be yeah. tough. If you're signing over personal guarantees, it would be tough. If you're big enough to where it's always you, other people. You wouldn't want to do that. And if the bank, if that's what the bank wants to, uh, you know, if that's what the bank needs from you and it's their job to lend money out that they think is going to get paid back, um, so you can't blame them on that one, it, it, you're in an impasse. Well, but your big places, your chains, mm-hmm. those people will still do it. But, but the, 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 the weird part, I think that a lot of people, it, it's not that you and I learn this and just, you learn it because you and I talk to people. We used to have a client here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I think the guy retired when I have somebody. He had a he had a fastener supply business, where for, for electrical fasteners, because he he knew that if there was a big electrical project, say at McCormick Place or something, the engineers mm-hmm. are, are really really good at you know putting on the drawings of you know what you needed in the wires, the voltages and stuff, but most of them never were in the field, right? Mm-hmm. So, so this guy knew exactly what it would take. So he would show up at McCormick Place with his truck and say, hey, Joe, whatever his first name was. He goes, what are you doing here? He goes, well, I just was going over these drawings, and this guy says you need, you know, uh, 300 of this particular fastener and 400 of that. I just went over the drawings, and to do a good job, you need like four times that amount. And the guy looks at it, and he goes, yeah, you're right. Just so happens I have them right here in the truck. And, uh, uh-huh. and but, but that's that's what he did. He would he would check things out. He mm-hmm. he knew all about installing electrical equipment, and and how much it actually took in terms of how many screws, how many nuts, and he had, and he just brought everything right with him. So I mean that that's an entrepreneurial. But right now, for that guy to go to a bank and say I need to stock this truck, and by the way, there's a million dollars worth of crap in here. Uh, I I think the guy gets booted out the front door. I mean, I don't think he has a chance. Do you? No, probably not like not like back in the day. And I'm, but I mean, these things yeah. you, you can't just sit. I mean, we let the entire country send stuff over to China because they essentially provided slave labor and no pollution, no pollution laws, right? So we get this stuff mm-hmm. cheap. We get used to it. People here are working for nothing, and now we're bringing it back. I think we've lost some of that entrepreneurial spirit. We haven't taught it to anybody, uh, and these guys are sitting there going. Wait a minute, me, me start a small factory? Well, yeah. Well, I, how am I going to do that? I got student loans, I got this, I, I can't do that. I think we've made it very, very difficult for people to be American entrepreneurs. Oh, yeah. And, and we've, we, we've decided that we're part of a global community where, you know, we've, we've got a, I don't know, make the playing field even, you know, if we've got a skew, have we been skewing the playing field for the emerging countries? Because we've, Feel like we should be giving them a chance to catch up, and then you know China has taken full advantage of that, along with a few other countries. Um, you know, the, I think that if, if the government really wanted to try and do something, and uh, they would get so much push, pushback, it's ridiculous. Uh, try to figure out, you know, put us on a wartime economy footing where you assume, assume that we can't get anything essential from outside of the U.S. and that'd be, that'd be figure out. You know, incentivize you know, incentivize manufacturers to make the stuff that we need, so that we don't have to worry about uh, when's the next boat showing up. I would agree, Russell. We got a dash, but take care of yourself. I hear I I, I, I hear the dog, so you must be home. I am. Yeah, she's driving me nuts this morning. Was, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. It was a short trip, you know. 
the short yeah. drive. <laughs> anyway, take care of yourself. Are you going back next week? Uh, no. I actually, uh, I, I only got like five seconds. I'm going to be on, I'll call in from the Midwest. My daughter and I are going to team up with some guys that run a reality show chasing tornadoes. I will be chasing tornadoes around the Midwest next week. Just make That's sure, epic. Just make sure you don't find one. Uh, no, we're going to find one. We oh, just yeah. got to make sure that we are on the correct side of it. Oh god! But uh, hopefully, I'll have a great story for you next Wednesday oh, god. morning. Well, just make sure calling in from the middle of no the flat middle of nowhere. You know, the pe- first people that used to do that. You know what they would use? They would use old, they would use old Brinks trucks. Yeah, it's very uh, similar. Uh, Whatever you're riding around in, it's padded it, like it's padded. like that. It's very heavy, but it's also got like this weird stuff on the sides of it. To make it aerodynamic in case we uh, get too close. Just make sure it's padded. Wear a helmet, buddy. I'll talk to you next week. That's if you're down 22. That's if you're down 64. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again.